Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for that. Thank you, Pastor Blake and Sister Carla. And for this church, thank you for the opportunity to be able to minister and, and to speak here. Pray that God would just bless us all day today. Amen. We go to church twice on Sunday in Colorado, too. Amen. And uh, you, the reason that we do that, some people have asked, well, you and you guys are going to church on Sunday, going on Wednesday, and you got prayer meeting over here, and you got this over there. We see value in it. That's why we do it. And if if it was... Uh, if it wasn't something that really worked in our lives and that we needed and people really felt value in, we wouldn't do it. But we, but we see value in it. And we got people, they come on Wednesday night, man, that's their, that's their service. That's what's getting them through the week. And so I encourage you, be faithful. Be where God can speak to your life. You might miss out on a service, and that was the service. That was the moment that the Holy Spirit was going to just touch you and do something in your life. And you were, you know, over at somewhere else, you know. So... Be where God can speak to your life. Praise God. And I know God's going to minister and speak to us here this morning. Tonight, I'm going to minister. In a, and uh, I know that Pastor Dustin had shared last week with you some of the stories of, of uh, uh, how they had adopted Sarah and what, what God had done there. We have also had the privilege of uh, being able to adopt a beautiful young lady her name is Reese. She's right back here. Just wave. This is Reese. It's our daughter. When we were living in Nairobi, and uh, and uh, so I'll, I'm going to share just a, a little bit about that tonight, and uh, maybe she can say something too. No, she says no. She doesn't want to. That's all right. Praise God. But thank God for our family. Thank God for this church family. You are an extension of our home church in Colorado Springs. And just know that you're being prayed for. And we appreciate your prayers too. And whatever we do in, in the foreign field and missions, we do together. We don't do it just from Colorado Springs. We do it as a fellowship. When you invest, when you get together and Mission Sunday comes along, we plant a seed. We're doing it together. And whatever victories are there are victories for all of us. Amen. We win together and we lose together, but we're not losing. Amen. If God's for us, who can be against us? Praise God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me over to Genesis, if you would. Genesis chapter 38. Anybody not know where Genesis is? Amen. If you don't know where Genesis is, just open your Bible up. It's the very, very first book. Every now and then, you got to get that index out. Sometimes I do the same thing. I'll be looking for a, if you ever listen to the podcast and we can't find a verse, it happens to pastors, sometimes you can't find the right book and you get stuck or you, you, you read the wrong uh, verse for the, for the scripture. But you know, as preachers, we can make just about any verse fit to whatever we're preaching. We'll apply it somehow. If we find the wrong one, don't worry, we'll, we'll make it work. But this is the right one. It almost seems... This chapter that we're going to look at, it almost seems like it is out of place in the Bible. But you know, nothing, that, God didn't put anything in the Bible that wasn't meant to be there. It's all supposed to be there. Sometimes you look and you man, God, what were you trying to say right here? Why is this here? Does this contradict, this, this verse over here contradicts over here? No, it doesn't contradict. It complements. And it, and it all matters. It all matters. So God put that word in there, and, and he even it, the Bible even says that there are so many more things that were written that the books could not contain all that he, would, that, that he did, that Jesus did. So the words that we see in the word of God and in Genesis chapter 38, 
These are, uh, the, these seem, it almost seems like it's, it's a, a strange thing. But let me tell you something. God has, God has a specific, a very specific word for us. And it would, it would serve us well to really pray, God, what do you want to say to me in this message? Anytime I'm in a service and when I'm listening to somebody preach, I pray, God, speak to my heart. Lord, speak to me. Even if they, even if they're preaching to the to the single, you know, the single ladies are getting preached to. And God, I know you can speak to me somehow, some way. If it's on marriage and I'm not married, Amen. God, speak to me. Whatever the case is, God will will minister to you. So this morning, I want to minister on family because I believe that God has a He sees family as very vital and very important in the kingdom of God. And now you can define family in a whole lot of ways. They're families. They're they're mixed families. They've got they've got children and stepchildren, and they've and they're raising you know grandkids. Some people are doing all they're doing all these different things. It's not necessarily defined in the in a traditional sense that we understand it as a mom and dad, you know, two kids and and a dog. There there are all types of families. Everybody here, you know, you come from a, a, a background. There's all, all different kinds of things in your family. Some big, some small. Some got more problems than others, but everybody's got problems, right? Amen. How many got some problems in your family? Amen. If you don't raise your hand, there'll be an altar call at the end because everybody's got problems. Amen. Good, the good news is that whatever problems we have, whatever, you know, crazy things we got going on in our lives, God's always trying to bring the family back in line with his plans and his purposes. We were talking yesterday or the other day at lunch, I think it was on Friday, we were talking about how a GPS, when you put your address in and how many have ever gotten sidetracked from the GPS, it just reroutes you. It just, it just, you know, you make a wrong turn, you turn too soon, or you get diverted, it just, it just reroutes you. I like that about the GPS. I like how it, it's always trying to get us back to the destination we need to be. That's what God does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. You get off somewhere, you make a bad choice, everybody does it, we do, do stupid things and dumb things, and, and the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us. He's always trying to bring us back in line with his perfect will and his plans. He wants to get us to his destination. He doesn't, he doesn't cast us aside. He doesn't throw us away. You're not a throwaway. You know, we're, we're a throwaway generation. Everything is, we just get rid of it. My mother-in-law has a, has a toaster. You know, she was talking to, to my wife, Emily, and, and she was saying, I've got this toaster. Emily said, well, why don't you just get rid of it and get a new one? She said, no, this toaster can be fixed. And I thought, who, where do I take a toaster to be fixed? I don't even know who fixes toasters. Maybe back in the day, you know, everybody fixed everything. You take it, you know, you go over in, into other parts of the world, yes, you can fix those things. But nowadays, you just go right down to Walmart and get you one for five bucks or something, you know. But listen, we're not a throwaway generation. We're not throwing away any lives. Your life matters and is important in the kingdom of God. And this message today is along those lines, is, is to give us all hope. That no matter what kooky things you got going on in your family and the, and the craziness, that God has a specific plan for your family and for your life. You know, the Lord told Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. 
There's this thing called the Abrahamic covenant. It's the, it's the blessing of God that is upon Abraham and his seed. And he says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. He had two sons and he was, and, and uh, others, but he had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. And these were the, the, the two. Ishmael was first. He was a, he was a, uh, a son of, of Hagar, but, but Sarah gave birth to Isaac. And so uh, he had these children. He had 12 children. These were basically the 12 tribes of Israel. And of all of these tribes, which tribe do you think that our Lord Jesus Christ would come through. Of all the tribes of Israel, the Bible says that he came from the tribe of Judah. And that's a story that we're going to look at here in the Word of God, that the story of Judah, because, uh, you know, you, you would think, man, uh, it, surely there's a better choice to bring the Messiah, Jesus, through than, I mean, of all the children that he would have, wouldn't you think that there would be a better option? But he, cho- he chose this man, Judah, and he, it was really uh, uh, an amazing story. So Genesis chapter 38 and verse 1, I'm going to read it to you, and I'll, I'll read it quickly, but I want you to, I want you to just uh, pay close attention to the story. Here's, here's the, the funny thing about this, this story. This chapter falls in the middle of Genesis 38. 7 and 39 if you if you if you look at those two those two go together if you look at the end of 37 the beginning of 39 they belong together 38 is just kind of stuck in there you think what somebody made a mistake they put this chapter right there but it was for a reason and uh, we're going to get to that genesis 38 and verse 1 about that time judah separated from his brothers and hooked up with a man in adullam named hira while there, Judah met the daughter of a Canaanite named Shua. He married her. They went to bed. She became pregnant. This is now the, this is the uh, uh, easy to understand version, all right? She became pregnant and had a, had a son named Ur. She got pregnant again and had a son named Onan. She had still another son. And she named this one Shelah. They were living at Kazib when she had him. Verse 6, Judah got a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Judah's firstborn, Ur, grievously offended God, and God took his life. He had to have done something bad. God just took him out right there. Verse 8, so Judah told Onan, go and sleep with your brother's widow. It's the duty of a brother-in-law to keep your brother's line alive. But Onan knew that his chi- that the child wouldn't be his, so whenever he slept with his brother's widow, he spilled his semen on the ground so he wouldn't produce a child for his brother. Now, this is in the Bible. This is not Fifty Shades of Grey here we're reading. This is, the, this is the Bible. But God was much offended by what he did and also took his life. Now, there's two dead. Verse 11, so Judah stepped in and told his daughter-in-law, Tamar, live as a widow at home with your father until my son Shelah grows up. He was worried that Shelah would also end up dead like his brother. So Tamar went to live with her father. And time passed. Judah's wife, Shua's daughter, died. And when the time of mourning was over, Judah, with his friend Hira of Adullam, went to Timnah for the sheep shearing. Tamar was told, your father-in-law has gone to Timnah to shear the sheep. 
She took off her widow's clothes, put on a veil to disguise herself, and sat at the entrance of Enam, which is on the road to Timnah. Are you following all this? She realized by now that even though Shelah was grown up, she wasn't going to be married to him. Judah saw her and assumed she was a prostitute since she had veiled her face. He left the road, went over to her, and he said, let me sleep with you. He had no idea she was his daughter-in-law. She said, well, what, what are you going to pay me? He said, I'll send you a, a kid goat from the flock. And she says, not unless you give me the pledge until you send it. So what do you want in the way of a pledge? She said, your personal seal and the cord and the staff that you carry. And so he handed them over to her, slept with her, and she got pregnant. She then left and went home. She removed her veil and put her widow's clothes back on. Judah sent the goat by the kid goat by his friend from Adullam to recover the pledge from the woman, but he couldn't find her. And he asked the men of that place, where's the prostitute that used to sit by the road here near Anaim? And they said, there's never been a prostitute here. He went back to Judah and said, I couldn't find her. And the men there said, there's never been a prostitute there. He said, well, let her have it then. If, you keep, if we keep looking, everyone will be poking fun at us. I kept my part of the bargain. I sent the kid goat, but you couldn't find her. Three months or so later, Judah was told, your daughter-in-law has been playing the whore and now she's pregnant. Judah yelled, get her out here and burn her up. As they brought her out, she sent a message to her father-in-law. I'm pregnant by the man who owns these things. Identify them, please. Who's the owner of the seal and the cord and the staff? How many know he's caught? Judah saw they were his, and he said, She is in the right. I am in the wrong. I would not let her marry my son, Shelah. He never slept with her again. And when the time came to give birth, it turned out there were twins in her womb. As she was giving birth, one put his hand out, and the midwife tied a red thread on his hand, saying, This one came first. But he pulled it back, and his brother came out, and she said, Oh, a breakout, and she named him Perez. Then his brother came out with the red thread on his hand. They named him Zerah. I mean, no, that's a, that's a pretty shady story right there. Now, do you remember which tribe the Lord Jesus came from? He came out of the tribe of Judah. I mean, Judah, God should have probably killed Judah. I mean, if he's killing the rest of them, Judah was in line to be bumped off himself. And this is, this is a pretty amazing story because here he is, he is morally weak, he's, a, he's, he's very hypocritical, he has failed spiritually. I mean, this man is a disaster. He's a disaster on two feet. He's made a lot of mistakes. And it's amazing that out of this, they would say in, in Hebrews chapter 7 in verse 14, it is evident, Hebrews 7 and 14, it is evident our Lord came out of Judah. Our Lord came out of Judah. I mean, of all the places that God could have done something, he could have brought his lineage through, he brought it out of a man whose family was a, a failed example of a family. And you thought your family had troubles. You thought you had that, those kinds of problems. And you know, usually, usually when you get somebody like this in the family, we just don't talk about that person. We're cutting them out. of. We're not including them in the family stories. We leave them out of family stories. But God made it a point that in the midst of all of this, put this in the Bible. 
Put this in the Word of God. Let it be for the record. It's not a, it's not a, a, a little blip in the Bible. This is, he gets a full chapter right here. We would think you would think that it would be you know just just left if you're gonna if you're gonna tell the story you know you're gonna say and then we had this other family his name was <coughs> Judah and you just kind of forget about him but it was because Jesus came for people like Judah people like us he came through that line he came. To this earth for you and I whose families have got all kinds of problems we've got we've made a mess of our own lives thank God that in the midst of that he's always bringing us back to bring his glory out of our lives to bring his glory through our lives it's for this reason aren't you glad he didn't just come for good people you know, we'd all be in trouble Revelation chapter 5 and verse 5 it says, and one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The lion of the tribe of Judah. You know, Judah is the reason that Jesus came. What was he thinking? Going to a prostitute. Trying to, you know, I don't understand. But, you know, we ought to, we ought to, under, we ought to learn something. This is an ancestor of Jesus Christ. This wasn't something that he thought. It wasn't a lie that was thought up under pressure. You know, he didn't think of this at the very last second. He was, this was thought out. It was, it was planned. He, it, was, it was calculated. And, you know, you know maybe you, I don't know where, what about, about you, but, you know, maybe you've made some failures. Maybe you've made some mistakes. You've got some failures behind you. They weren't, they weren't something that just happened. It was a calculated mistake. It was a calculated failure. You know, Jesus came to show mercy to us. He reaches down. He extends his hands of mercy to us. There's hope for all of us. There's hope for every single person in this place. We had a man in Greeley when we were pastoring in northern Colorado. I remember being at church one day, and we, the, the, the building that we had used to be a pawn shop. It, when, we, when we got it, it, it had bars on the, on the windows and and uh, we'd done quite a bit of work as well to it, and it was much smaller than this. I remember sitting in the, I was there, we were in prayer before the service, and, and a, a semi, just the, just the cab uh, pulled up in front of the church and was just sitting there. I thought, what is, what's this guy doing? You know, he can't stay there. We've got people that are going to be needing to park for church, and, and it was on a Wednesday night. He sat there for a little bit, and I went out, and I, and I was going to talk to this guy and find out what is it that he's doing, what's his, what's his agenda. And the guy had his head down, and I, I climbed up on, the, on the, the runner there and knocked on his glass, and he rolled the window down. The man was just in tears. And I thought, man, what, what's going on? Well, tell me what's happening. I looked down, and he had, he had a gun in between his legs. And I said, man, what are you, what are you doing what, what is it? What's going on with your life? And he began to tell me the things that he was dealing with. He, he began to share with me the, his family problems. That his, his wife had left him and he'd gotten a phone call from her when she was with the other guy. And he, he'd, he'd lost, he'd lost the, the truck was being repossessed. His, everything he had had been lost. I mean, he, he began to tell me these things. My heart began to break for him because he was really at the end of every rope. He, it was like there was no other hope. I felt so 
so much for him. He says, I'm, he says, I just don't know what to do. He says, I'm ready to just take my life. He had the gun there. And I thought, thank God he didn't do that in the parking lot, you know, right before church. I said, man, you got to let us talk to you. And he, he got out, he climbed down from that truck. I talked him out of the truck, talked him into the service. He came in and, and he, he sat through the entire service. He came down at the end for the altar call. He was just weeping in the altar, just crying in the altar. And I thought, he, here he is coming from the, from the beginning of the service to now. Next thing you know, he's coming to the next service. Next thing you know, he came, he's there after a month. I had him get up and testify, and he testifies. He says, one day I was in this place, and I was, I was arrested out of this pawn shop for trying to, to sell a gun that I wasn't supposed to have or something like that. He was, I was arrested right there, but I got saved right over here. I thought, man, that's the mercy of God. That's the, that's the miracle power of God of, of, of the most desperate places. Maybe you've been in that place before. Maybe you've been at just the lowest of the low places. This is a place where Judah is. Just low, as, as feeling as, as low as can be. But Jesus came to take up that person that can hardly look up and, and hold their head up when they come into church. He came to lift that person up. He came to bring hope. He came to get us back on track. Put us back on the right path. Put the pieces back together. You can't put the pieces back together for yourself. You can't figure it out yourself. People have done it. I've, I, you go, go into any bookstore and look at all the shelves of self-help books and people have, have, have devoured this, this kind of material. They, they, if they can't find it there, they find it on daytime television looking for you know, through all these programs when they've got people on. They've got all kinds of methods. They're going to call this person and talk to this person. And I can tell you this, that there's only one answer, and that is in Jesus Christ. The Bible says, God who is rich in mercy. God who is rich in mercy. He delights in showing mercy. You know, you might think, well, you know, we've got a lot of curses. Have you ever thought about the curses that might be on your family? Have you ever thought about that before? Maybe you come from a family that, you know, everybody, everybody has been divorced. Or they've got, you know, just, it's just a long line of, of those kinds of things. Or you've got a long line of, of alcoholics, and it's like one generation just carries right on over. You think, well, if everybody else has been that way, maybe that's how I'm going to end up too. There are all, the, all types of, of things that, 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 are, that are generational curses that are just kind of passed on from one, one generation to the next. Listen, we can break those things. Those things can be broken off of your life. Maybe nobody ever went to college before in your family. That can be broken off of your family. Maybe nobody ever, ever climbed out of, the, out of the, the ghetto or out of the slums. You know, in, in Kenya, it's a very wide gap in between the, those that don't have and those that have. And it, it's, it's like next to impossible for those that are living in the slums to, to break that barrier and get ahead in life. And they understand, I'll never, a lot of the people in our church, when we got there, they thought, well, I'll never drive a car. Other, that's cars are for other people. I'll never get a driving license. Or I'll never, I'll never go to school. I'm never going to get past this, this level. You know, let me tell you something. That's the lie of the devil. That's the strategy of hell to keep you down. He said, well, I've never owned a house. Nobody in our family has ever owned a house. Listen, God can do that in your life. You can own a house. You can own a business. 
You can drive a car. Amen. Thank God he's able to break those barriers, those generational things in our lives. Not just the sin things, but I'm talking about those things, that, that poverty, that struggle, the things that, that, are, that hold us back. He gives us hope for those things. It's his will. It's his plan to break those things. Now, listen, don't compare yourself with other people. Compare yourself to God, to the word of God, and to, the, and to what he says in this book. Begin to line out your life in that fashion. So what does he do? Judah slept with her, and he got her pregnant. You know, his name, Judah, also means, it means a horrible tangled mess is what it means. I mean, he got his daughter-in-law pregnant who he thought was a hooker. I mean, that's just, something just ain't right there, you know? When I, 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 I read this story. I think about it. I still scratch my head. That's in the book. That's in the word of God. My goodness. So what's going to happen to this baby? What are they going to do with this baby? Surely this can't be good. I mean, how can something good come out of, of this type of a mess? But if you read... In the, in the Bible, look over in the book of Matthew. This is why sometimes, you know, it's, sometimes people, they look at, at the genealogies and they're like, ah, I don't want to read that. So-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so. You may know what I'm talking about. In Matthew, you read through and in verse number three, it says, and Judah begat Perez. Right there at the very beginning. It talks about where, where Jesus came from. It talks about that lineage. And here he comes from Perez. I don't even know if that's exactly the way you pronounce it. But, but he, here he is. He, he is such a mess. And God says, it's going to be through Judah that I'm going to, to produce uh, Pharaohs and I'm going, to do a, I'm going to do a miracle through them. They must have, they must have gone to, to his daughter-in-law. They must have gone to her and said, what is that bulge in your stomach? Something, something doesn't look exactly right with you. I mean, she couldn't hide it forever, you know. Been overeating? What's 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 happening here? And Judah said, "What's wrong with people? Don't they have any morals?" You know, it's easy to look at other people and 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 pass judgment on other people, and say, "Well, what's wrong with that person? Can't they take care of themselves? Can't they figure out their their problems? Can't they just get ahead? Why don't they just do this or do that?" You know, we're we're very very good at judging other people. Even even church folks do that. They say, well, I wish they'd get their kids under control, or I wish they would do this or do that, and, and why don't they do this? And they, they completely they have complete disregard for the problems in their own life. Overlooking the, the failures right here at home. This is what Judah does. We say, well, what, what's the world coming to? Look in the mirror. That's what it's coming to. Because if the truth were known, about all of us, I mean, just for a moment, just think. I mean, we got this screen right here. What if we started right on the front row with Brother Paul Platt and we put his all of his history, or we started on the other side with Felicia and we and we started over there? You know, by the time we got halfway through one person's, this place would be empty. <laughs> We'd all run for that door. 
Nobody wants those things aired in our lives. Nobody wants that. But you know, on the day of judgment, as we stand before God, we're either going to stand before him in, 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 right, in his righteousness with our sins forgiven, or we're going to be brought into account for all of those things. Thank God that the, that the word of God says that when we repent of our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He doesn't cover it. The blood of Jesus doesn't cover our sins. It washes them away. If it covered them only, then they would still be there, right? They'd just be covered. But because he washes our sins away, he takes them away. It's as if they never happened. It's, it's justified. We're justified in, in his eyes. He, we're forgiven of our sins. That's what Jesus did. He came to do that in our lives. You know, some people think... You know, well, they get what they deserve. They're dealing with that. No, they're just getting what they deserve. Where would any of us be if we really got what we deserve? We don't want what we deserve. I don't, at least. I want God's mercy. I want God's grace in my life. Jesus came to do that in us. Even though our family is crooked, even though we've got all these problems, I thought about this man who, who went back and looked at his family tree. How many have ever done that before? You wanted to see kind of where we, where we come from. Where, where, tell me about my ancestors and all this. And so he went back generation, generation, come to find out he had family that was at the Alamo. He was so excited. I got to see who it was that was at the Alamo. And so he was looking into it a little farther and come to find out he was a, he was a, a, a traitor at the Alamo and actually was shot in the back by one of his own men for running away. That was the last, of, that was the last time he went looking for his ancestors. We've all got those things. We, you know, you start, start looking at, at, at some of your family, you see there's some, there, you've got some crazy people in your family. We got lots of family. As as the pastor has shared, I was I had some things written. You know, his cousin, had, one of my dad's cousins. I'm not just trying to tell on my own family, but one of his cousins clubbed his parents to death and then set the house on fire. My granddad cut a man's throat one time. Uh, didn't kill him, but you know where would we be if he if he hadn't gotten saved? I don't. Pastor had that knife. I don't know if anybody else did. You see, Pastor's knife. He was. It was actually that that knife that he was carrying that my granddad had. His brother had an affair with one of his, one of one of my granddad's brothers had an affair with one of his students while he was married and got the girl pregnant. Then he divorced his wife and married the teenage girl. That's pretty bad. But that's the nature of of humanity. That's, that's human nature. Don't get down on somebody else for the things that they're doing and then, you know, somehow justify it in your own family. Who was, who was Jesus, Jesus harshest about? The hypocrites. I mean, when they brought the woman and threw her in the dirt and she was caught in the very act of adultery, there was only one innocent person there that day. It was Jesus. Everybody else was guilty. 
And he got on the, he got on the hypocrites. You know, he says, who are you? Instead of looking at, the, at the, the, the speck in your neighbor's eye, why don't you take a look at the, at the log or the plank that's out of your own eye? Look at your own failures. And Judah stands for outright and open shame. I mean, this was an absolute embarrassment. You know, Jesus came to take away our shame. He came to, t- to lift that shame off of our lives. He bore the shame for us. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, a descendant of Perez. Can you imagine when Perez was growing up and, and, and somebody, may, may just imagine, you know, sometimes I, I look at the Word of God and I, I kind of imagine other things that aren't there. You know what I'm saying? Think about it. If somebody came to, to Perez and said, you know, because Perez is, is Judah's son, Tell me about your parents. I mean, tell me, did you come from a good, godly family? I mean, you probably came from somebody that was, I mean, you probably came from a good line, right? And he says, no. He says, it didn't happen like that. You're going to get to heaven. Maybe you can talk to Pharaohs when you get there. But he says, it wasn't quite like that. He says, actually, my mom played the hooker. And... My grandfather is also my father. Something, it just, it ain't right. God puts families back together. I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard this poem, but it goes, it goes a little bit. It, it, this is families nowadays. There was a crooked man. He went a crooked mile. He found a crooked sixpence against a crooked style. He bought a crooked cat which caught a crooked mouse, and they all lived together in a little crooked house. Amen. How many have ever heard that before? Amen. That's a picture of today's family. They're just, just messed up. The mercy of God that reaches down and begins to put the pieces back together. we got families today in our church. They've, they've been through, I mean, the horrors. They've been, been terrible things, and they've made it. They've come back. They've come back to the Lord. They, they, maybe they, they've had problems. Even even in the church, you think sometimes people, I, I've seen it over and over again. They they have a uh, a failure in their family, and they think, man, everybody's judging me. Everybody's looking at my problem. Everybody knows what I've gone through. Everybody knows all my business. Everybody's looking down on me, and they, it's just the strategy of the devil to cause us to run away and to separate us from our faith in Jesus. Oh, I can't go back to that church. Everybody knows my problems. I can't, I can't serve God. I can't lift my hands in there because everybody knows my problems. Listen, everybody here's got problems. Everybody's de- dealt with something. We've got people that are in our church, and, we, you know, we got uh, one's in the choir and the other one's out in the congregation and serving somewhere else, and they, they've come from, through all sorts of things, and they're still in church. They're still there. God's restoring things. He's restored their homes, restored their families, restored marriages. I mean, I mean, absolute miracles. If God can do it in somebody else, he can do it in your life. If God can redeem a situation like this, he can redeem your life. That's our hope in Jesus Christ. Don't you ever let the devil tell you there's no more hope for you. Don't ever let the devil tell you you can't go back to that church. Everybody's got, knows, knows your problems. 
Listen, fight back against the devil. Say, devil, I'm not going to let you take me out of the will of God. I must hear from God. God will redeem it. God will put the pieces back together. Can you say amen? 